Hello, I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to the Thanks a Million mini-pods. Series 4 is coming soon with a truckload of new thank yous, but in the meantime, I thought we'd revisit the thank you next chapter of some of our guests' lives to remind us that we have got this. I love asking guests what their thank you next is because it's all about silver linings. It's a period in people's lives that's been and gone, which at the time felt like a complete disaster, an absolute mess, but in hindsight, they might even be grateful for it. You know the type of thing when you're in it, when you're stuck in the eye of the storm, it's a bloody awful. But once it's been and gone, you think, you know what? I learned something from that. I know, sometimes it's hard. Maybe you're not there yet. But you'll get there, okay? We'll all get there together, somehow. This, I feel like this whole period might be one of those giant collective shitstorms. Anyway, here we all are. Please don't forget to subscribe so that you can get all of the Thank You Next mini pods as soon as they are released. Plus, you'll be the first to know when Series 4 of Thanks a Million drops. This week's Thank You Next is from Marion Keys. Marion, 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 my mother's name, but also the jewel of the Irish crown. Marion Keys, this is still the most popular episode of Thanks a Million ever. Marion, if you don't know, and you do, so I don't know why I'm even doing this, but she's one of the most successful Irish novelists of all time, I would say best-selling author of some of your favourite books, for sure. The Break, Grown Ups, her most recent. The Mystery of Mercy Close. Marion has written 13 novels, as well as short stories, essays and articles, and sold more than 30 million books worldwide. Fuck, that's a lot of books. She's known for representing modern women in the modern world, with her unusual blend of comedy and darkness. Her thank you next is an experience of addiction, which she draws on in her writing and talks about really frankly here. And I'm so grateful for her openness. I've had so many messages since this was um, broadcast, broadcast, published, whatever, back in series two. And actually from people who have family or who live with people, partners with addictions and just the kind of openness and way that Marion talks about it has allowed for people to understand the complexity um, of addiction and I'm I'm just really really grateful for that. A word of warning before we start there are some references to some experiences that you may find disturbing. If that sounds like it might apply to you please check the show notes for more details. But for now over to Marion. The thank you next part of my life that I'm so glad is over now, but that killed me at the time mm. was um, was when I reached the end of my alcoholic drinking yeah. and realized that I had to stop. And I was age 30 and I felt like simultaneously more ancient than the planet mm. and also like ridiculously young at having to stop. And I honestly felt that my life was completely destroyed and that the next whatever number of years that I lived would be like just crawling through a desert, trying not to drink. Mm. And because everything I did back then kind of centered around alcohol and, you know, when I could next drink and when Mm. I could get the money for it and when I could buy it and and. 
you know, and how I could get away with it. And, you know, I've often said, like, I never saw the second half of a play because if I went, I'd go to the bar at the half time, whatever it's called, intermission. And uh, and whoever I was with, I'd pers- persuade them to stay there with me drinking. Nice. Um, and then when I realized that kind of I'd run out of road and that I had to stop, I, I was I was grief stricken mm-hmm. because it was like saying goodbye to the love of my life. And now I look back and like it's 20, 26 years since I've had a drink. And my life has just been so beautiful since. And, you know, I'm not talking about the externals, but I'm talking about, you know, the the, the kind of the ever present shame that I kept adding to, you know, that has stopped. Like I don't make a show of myself and I don't let myself down. I don't hurt people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously I'm a human being and I'm always going to hurt people and, and, and make mistakes. But, but that kind of, it just happened all the time yeah. when I drank to excess. And, you know, I feel clean and reliable and decent today and free, actually. It was at me the whole time, alcohol. Like yeah. it was just gnawing at me the whole time, like looking for my attention. And now, you know, I wake up and I haven't had a drink the night before. I remember everything. Mm. And I know that my day is going to be clean and good. And, I would never have known that I could feel so happy about not drinking. So, I mean, that was a real thank you next. Yeah, wow. And so when did you realise, because like you say, you felt, you know, so, so young and uh, and so ancient at the same time, like to, to, to get to that point at 30, where most people are not really figuring stuff yeah. out, 30, like what was, was there yeah. something that happened? Was there a very clear rock bottom or was it just a series of things or an intervention or what was it that prompted you to go, okay, this is, this is not going to work for God, it was a kind of mix of everything. Like any addiction is progressive. So it it had got worse over maybe the last, I don't know, couple of years, maybe, you know, 28, 29. Um, And my connection to other people had become, oh, what's the word? You know, I wasn't really interested in people anymore. I just wanted to stay at home and drink. And I missed a lot of work and people were saying it to me, you know, and they were there were a lot of kind of stern conversations and, you know, people saying you lose your job and you'll kill yourself and this and that. And I really didn't care. But I think on some level it must have, you know, all of those mini interventions had a kind of a cumulative effect. And at the same time, I felt very, very depressed and. I mean, it's no surprise, like I was pouring this very powerful, depressing chemical into myself in huge quantities on a daily basis. And I felt very suicidal at the time. And in the end, it was a fairly lackluster suicide attempt that meant I kind of told on myself, like it meant that suddenly People who hadn't previously been involved, like my parents, suddenly were. They didn't know how bad things were. And the next thing, like I was on a plane home to Dublin from London. And then two days after that, 
I was in um, the Rutland Centre. So it was kind of, I didn't decide what, you know, to kind of write, I'm an alcoholic, I need help. But I think by by taking a load of tablets and then ringing somebody, it was, it put me beyond the place where I could still deny it to myself. Um, having done that, having done something so kind of shocking, it meant that there was no, there was no chance really to retreat back into denial. So that moment was your way of going, okay, I like I need I need someone to help me. I need to out myself here before I. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's it. Yeah. I need to out myself because I knew that yeah. I couldn't do it by myself mm-hmm. because I tried. Mm-hmm. And things had just got worse. Amazing, though, that that um, that your family got you home, sent you straight into, you know. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my dad. He was fantastic. Amazing, because I think that kind of, you know, that f- the fear around what to do. Is it my fault she's like this? Have I done something wrong? Makes a lot of people kind of yeah. deny the seriousness, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. No, no, no. My dad knew all about alcoholism because ah, his okay. sister had been one. So he had already nice. gone through it with her. So, and he was just... He was very kind, like he was as narky, you know, he was a real proper Irish narky dad. But at the same time, he was he really Mm -hmm. got addiction and he knew that it wasn't caused by anyone or anything in my life, that it had Mm -hmm. been genetic. Um, So, no, he didn't he didn't feel like that at all. I think my mother was more conflicted. Yeah, it's so complex though, isn't it? I think with any addiction, is that immediate shit? What have yeah. What have I done wrong? What could I have done something different? Is there something? Yeah, I think it's so difficult for a family as well. I think to yeah, um, to kind of wrap their heads around how to yeah how to react, yes. how to hold you because are they wrong? Did they cause it in the first place? There's a kind of I think often a, a want to protect themselves maybe from I don't know if that even makes sense, but that kind of help yeah, well, I mean, it's not in anyone's plan, you know, nobody thinks well, for my life. I think I'd like to be an addict or, you you know, if you want something for your children, you're not going to go, well, I hope they get a good leaving and an excellent degree and that they become an alcoholic. I mean, it's never on your list of wants. I mean, I was going to say it's not something good, but I mean, to be in recovery is actually incredibly lovely. Um, And especially at times like now where everything is so uncertain. Yeah. They're the things I've kind of learnt over the years, like the acceptance thing we mm-hmm. talked about, um, is handy. Yeah. Yeah. But even I wonder, as you talk about like being being in recovery and the sense of pride of waking up, you know, clean, yeah. waking up kind of free, to use your words. Um, yes. That actually maybe much like sensitivity the recovery whether it's the thing that brings you to addiction is also the the source of your um 
Yes. I'm not articulating it as well as I'm sure you Yeah, could, no, 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 I get it. You know, yes. but much like that sensitivity yeah. that the thing that makes it really fucking hard is also the things that make you yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why you're the writer, Marion. I'm like, help me with the words, Marion. <laughs> No, you're fantastic. I'm on it today. I need a coffee. (laughs) Clearly one of those days. Thank you so much to Marion again for being so honest about her experience with alcoholism. I know that she has helped so many people in her own way. And actually you think, you know, it's not necessarily about campaigning, about beating the drum. It's actually about sharing with wild vulnerability and passion your own story and realizing that it's a shared story for so many people so thank you again for that I just find her incredibly inspiring if you've been affected by any of the issues raised during this episode remember there is always someone to talk to or to text the Samaritans can be reached on 116123 and check the show notes for details outside the UK and Ireland what is your thank you next let me know at Angela Scanlon I would love 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 to hear from you and if you missed it you can listen back to the full episode with Marion Keys, which I highly recommend I sometimes do it on a down day we also talk about lovely bosses and fancy bags and have you subscribed to my new newsletter yet it is free Every single week, it's an email hug on a Sunday morning. You can have it while you're having a cup of tea. Little Sunday ritual while the rugrats are out in the playground with somebody that you know, hopefully. Lots of well-being tips in there, some recipes. There's a link to the newsletter in the show notes below. I think you're going to like it. And as I mentioned, it's free. For now, though, thank you, Marion. Who is next? Who is next?